It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. Before I get to my conversation with Lance McAllister, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, the new podcasting app, Himalaya is a great way to get your podcasting fix on. You can have personally curated playlists, and it has a great, very easy-to-use interface as well. And also check us out on social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three S. And then head on over to LockedOnReds.com for even more content. Again, here comes the conversation with Lance McAllister for today's Phone It In Friday. I have with me the man on top of the world when it comes to sports talk in Cincinnati, Lance McAllister himself. Lance, how are you doing today, sir? I am fantastic. Always fired up to talk uh, Reds, and I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Are, have you? Did you get enough sleep? Did you stay up the whole night last night watching that extra inning West Coast game? Yeah, these uh, these West Coast games are a killer, especially when you have a daughter who gets up for school in the morning and uh, the wake up is around six fifty. It makes for a uh, very quick turnaround, and and following a, a one night of a no hitter with the next night of a walk off in thirteen makes it even more painful. Right, and it's just one of those things too. Like the the no hitter came after a ninety minute light delay. I mean, talk about a weird week that the Reds are having, right? Yeah, it's been a it's been a classic. I, I talked about it uh, on Sports Talk. How it's kind of a Ripley's Believe It or Not slash Twilight start to the season. I mean, they've already blown an eight nothing lead. They've they've had a sequence where they hit uh, home runs on three straight pitches. They've been hit five times in a game. They've had a bench clearing brawl. They've had a bead play. They've had a power outage. They've had a two hour forty minute rain delay. They they've had back to back one nothing games. It's it's been a little bit of everything so far this season. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to lead into this. Uh, I wanted to uh, get just kind of your background, because I know you've been doing sports talk for a while. And when it comes to the Reds, what really hooked you in as a Reds fan? Well, I've always said I was uh, I was born and grew up kind of in the sweet spot of, of being a Reds fan. I grew up in Anderson Township. In my childhood, I was uh, I was nine and ten years old when the Reds won the World Series with the Big Red Machine in '75 and '76, and you know so that that's the heyday, and they grabbed me then. And my my dad was a Reds fan, and and that was you know in in the mid '70s, the epicenter of baseball was Cincinnati, and to be at Riverfront Stadium as a kid, that was the cool thing to do to watch Reds baseball. And I still swear to this day, I, I never saw the Reds lose. They they always seem to win and at that point at Riverfront Stadium and to watch that talent, that group of players and to have that success, 
you know, part of me became jaded because I just assumed they'd win the World Series every year. And to a certain extent, it's almost unfair because my barometer in my mind is I, I measure everything against the, the big red machine. And I've always said you, you want to measure up to greatness. And yet that's an awfully tough bar when, when that's one of the greatest teams ever assembled to measure your teams up against. But uh, there's no question. That was my foundation as a Reds fan and, uh, and kind of locked me in at that point. I definitely envy you because I always think of, um, you know, what really got me was the 1999 season. And, of course, that ended yep. with our wonderful pal Al Leiter having a good time. But <laughs> um, I, I I still haven't gotten to see – you know, them reach the upper echelon. And when it comes to how the years have differed, what has been something that you've held on to when you go through years like the last four years where they've had consecutive 90 loss seasons? Yeah, it, it makes it tough, but I always have to kind of check myself because when you do what I do and you deal with fan emotion and, and, and frustrations, um, I can fall back to my baseline of I, I saw a world championship in 75, 76, and 90. Um, I had the exciting season of 99. I had the, the clinch of 2010. Yet there's many people, as I say that, are thinking, well, I have no frame of reference to that, Lance. So I have to keep that in mind. It, you know, I, I look at things in, in a smaller window from that standpoint. I was there in 2010 with my son in, in, the, uh, in the moon deck when Jay Bruce hit the home run to clinch. That's kind of his moment, but there's many fans who don't have a frame of reference of those that that high level of excitement, and it, 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 it it's something I always have to keep in mind because people come from this at, at different from different angles. And you know, if you're a Reds fan now and you're a you're a millennial, you're you're looking for your moment, and and those moments have been few and far between most of those moments are the recent moments have been uh, consecutive uh, five consecutive losing seasons 90 lost seasons and it always changes the the frame of reference of how people look at things let's jump into this season during the offseason obviously they made all the moves and all the bringing in a ton of new guys how you felt in february let's say has that changed at all to this point yeah, I, I'm surprised they haven't hit. I mean, I, I I bought into the excitement of the turnover and the change in different sets of eyes. They they really addressed a, a number of new positions within the organization, the front office, uh, coaches down below, the entire coaching staff on the major league level, other than Freddie Benavides, is different. It was going to be a new way of approaching things from an analytics standpoint. Um, they did turn over the roster into, what, I think 14 or 15 new guys on opening day. And, you know, it, it, it kind of you know, filed under, it only figures they're now pitching and they're not hitting how many, I don't know how many times I said last season through the course of sports talk that man, if they just had some pitching, this team is hitting and it's a shame. And, and now I find myself saying, man, if they just had some hitting, cause they've got the pitching, it just, it, it's really frustrating into, and I've always said, you know, there are slumps that become trends that become reality of the situation. And, and I'm not ready to say this is the reality of this offense, but man, you know, we're, we're 40, almost 40 games in, and this team still struggles to hit. They're hitting 211. I don't have a way to explain it. I just know it is killing this team right now. Speaking of slumps, uh, and we've always said that he's a slow starter, and he always performs much better as the season goes on. 
But right now, it almost feels like Joey Votto is just finding a new low. Like, is this something that you feel like no longer is he going to be the 300 type hitter that we're used to or the 400 on base guy? Is he lowering his own expectation? I mean, not his own for himself, but like lowering the expectations that we fans have of a guy that like whenever he hits a home run, we're just like, Joseph Daniel Votto, he is the man. Yeah, I, I've said uh, there's there's been many instances this year where I don't recognize what he's doing. And I, 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 t- I consider myself kind of a connoisseur of Joey's career. I have great appreciation for, and I believe he's the greatest, he will go down as the greatest hitter, striker of baseball in the history of this franchise. And that comes yeah. from somebody who ran to first and hit slid head first because of Pete Rose. That's how much respect I have for Pete. But what Joey is right now, I don't recognize. And there's been a number of times I've caught myself watching a swing or watching a result thinking, I haven't seen that before from Joey. Uh, he popped up the other night. He's now done that twice this year. Fans rolled their eyes at that. Joey Votto never popped up before in the infield <laughs> right. until this year. Last night, he grounded out four times to the right side. I haven't looked this up, but I, I got to believe it's the first time in his career he's grounded out to the right side four times in the same game. We've seen an 0 for 7. And I look at him, and he seems to me to be a guy who is searching. Not, not, I'm not going to say flailing at the plate, but he's searching to reinvent himself because he's realizing what he was used, what he was able to do in the past, he's not able to do now. So he's almost trying to reinvent that and find a different way to do it. And it, it hasn't kicked in yet. I mean, he he's down to two ten, and there's there's a lot of swing and misses now in his swing. He's striking at a higher rate than he ever has before. I I, I know people will push back and say, but he's always started slow. I get that, but we're talking about coming off what he admits was a failure last year. And he's now in a age 36 season. I think that to be fair, I think that has to change how we look at Joey Votto. This isn't the previous Joey struggles. It's the new Joey struggles in an age 36 season followed on the heels of his worst season a year ago. So I'm not saying he's done by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, I think he's realizing he can't do things the way he used to do. And he's trying to find a new way. And I think he's still searching for that. I agree with you. It's it- you know, players go through adjustment periods and kind of where he's at in his career, you see a lot of guys forced to reinvent the way that they approach. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I definitely think he is one of the smartest players that I've ever played the game. So I, I believe he can do it, but I'm with you. It's, it's taking a lot longer to see the fruits of that. Yeah, I, I go back to Friday night in the, in the Giants game. He, he, sw- he struck out swinging on a, a pitch way up in the, not at his eyes, but way up in the zone. It was at 91 miles an hour. And, and one, he got beat on a 91 mile an hour fastball. Two, I never see Joey strike out on a pitch almost up in his eyes and he cut loose with a swing. And I, I just, I, it, it kind of struck me as I don't recognize that, that that's, that's not Joey Votto. And I got to believe he goes back to the dugout thinking that's not me. And, and it's all part of that evolution of having to do it a different way. We've seen him, you know, more upright in the, in the batter's box. We've seen him spread out more. We've seen him choke up and, and it almost changes now at bat to at bat as he reaches and tries to find something that he's going to find comfort in. And um, he just hasn't found it yet. Let's uh, pivot just a little bit. There's been, it's kind of been amongst the fans, especially Red's Twitter, this topic of the team having fun. And a lot of it's come out with what Derek Dietrich has done the last couple of days. I love it. I, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. 
Um, but then also the point being, uh, well, they're losing. How can they have fun when they're losing? Let's look at both sides. Number one, why shouldn't they have fun on the field? Yeah, it's uh, one, it, it's a kid's game in the very basic form of baseball. It's a kid's game. And, and in a grind of 162 games from March to October, plus 30 spring training games, we're approaching 200 games. There is a wear and tear factor. And, and if you can't find pressure releases, it will wear you down and wear you out. And, and I, I think specifically on this team with a lot of new guys, I like the fact that there's a bonding element to this and, and figuring out how pieces fit in terms of players in the clubhouse and on the bench and different personalities fit. And I think when you are losing and you, you have to have an escape, you have to have, if you can't laugh at yourself, if you can't laugh at a teammate in those times, then you're in trouble because it will beat you up and beat you down. And that's why I applaud what's going on right now, because in the, in the midst of losing streaks or, or Oh, for four or five games, if you just head back to the dugout every time and beat yourself up and head to the head of the hotel at the end of the night and beat yourself up, you're not going to make it. You you are going to be beaten this game. And if it takes somebody like Derek Dietrich making you laugh in the, in the middle of the, uh, before a game starts, or if it takes Joey Votto and Jesse Winker doing their home run thing where they catch each other, it's a, a moment of, of levity. And if we can't fight, if we're going to hold it to the player to stay grim faced and put a scowl on his face, they're not going to survive 162 games that way. It's just not possible. Want to take a quick break from the conversation with Lance and tell you about today's presenting sponsor, ZipRecruiter. When it comes to acquiring talent and bringing in the right people for your job, look no further than ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter is the absolute best way to hire because what they do is they take your job posting and spread it out to hundreds of different job sites throughout the internet and then they analyze the applicants for your job posting and send you the most qualified and the best candidates that you can receive. In fact, 80% of people who post their jobs with ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours, the first day. So if your company is looking to add talent to its roster and is having trouble with that task, ZipRecruiter.com is the way to go. And today, my listeners have a great offer. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on and you get your first job posting for free that's ziprecruiter.com slash l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n and you get your free posting for your first job post there ziprecruiter is the smartest way to hire thinking about Derek dietrich and him dressing up you know that what what he could find to make himself look like a beekeeper and then also the eye black mustache and all that stuff where thinking of just all of the funny sort of off field antics that you've seen from Reds players over the years, where did those instances rank for you? You know, it's a great point. And I brought it up the other night. He's entered the conversation. So unexpectedly is one of the great characters in Cincinnati uh, sports. And at least in recent memory, I mean, I, I think of 
know, Chad Johnson from the football side. Uh, Ryan Friel had his invisible friend Barney, who he used to talk <laughs> yeah. about. Brandon Phillips always had, uh, you know, some some relish and mustard on the on the hot dog. He he was kind of he wasn't afraid to have a little swag and a little swagger, and 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 uh, you know, it would irritate some opposing teams, but it was that different type of personality and. The, the thing I, I think I knew Derek Dietrich as a player coming over here, he hit 16 home runs a year ago. I think he's had three straight seasons of 20 doubles. I didn't know he was that type of personality. I, I wonder if the Reds knew he was that type of personality, but I like the fact that as the new guy trying to fit in, some of the new guys will walk in and maybe they stay in the corner of the locker room or the corner of the dugout because they don't know everybody else. I like the fact he's jumped right in and said, I'm going to try to take some of the pressure off all this. I'm going to make some people laugh. And I also like the, the fact that Joey Votto with Winker is veteran to young guy. Joey Votto to Amir Garrett racing to the dugout at the end of an inning is young guy to veteran. I like that intermingling of veterans and young guys on this team. That I think is, is some, you need some crossover like that on, on a team, especially when you're going through tough times. It's, it's easy to be, to be up and, and focused when you're losing. Winning can, can be a grind. Winning's the, the failure of Major League Baseball. And over a course of 162 games, you can't always be down in the dumps and sad-faced when you're losing it. And it doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. It doesn't mean you're disrespecting the game. It doesn't mean you're derelict in your duties. It just means at, at a moment, you kind of take a sigh, you take a breath, and maybe you smile during all that, and, and maybe it changes your outlook after an 0 for 5, and it turns things around in your next at bat. What's it say to you, looking at Dirk Dietrich and then also Jose Iglesias, that the two, uh, looking at baseball reference, the two highest position players as far as value to the team, wins above replacement right now, are those two guys, and they got them both on minor league deals. What does that say to you about this team? One, it's, it's the beauty of baseball, the unexpected, the day-to-day. You just, as much as you think that the, the numbers may tell you something or your eyes may tell you something, there, there's times where you simply throw up your hands and say, I didn't expect that. I, I had no reason to believe that would happen. Two, I think it shows very shrewd maneuvering of the market when it comes to Dick Williams in the front office that both those players were unemployed into February. They were able to swoop in, uh, swoop in assess the market, and take advantage of the market. And three, it tells you, the, the bench of this team is so much better than uh, compared to recent years. It, it, it's off the charts. And they they were able to maneuver around Scooter Jeanette's injury and plug in Jose Iglesias, whose glove work has been amazing. But that was expected. The bat has been amazing. I don't think anybody could have expected the bat to this point. And, and I know when, when you say where would they be without him, the answer to the cynics would be, well, they'd still be in last place. I think that misses the point. They have been a major lift for this team, um, versatility-wise, offensive-wise, and, and personality-wise to this team uh, to this point in the season. Absolutely. And when I look at Iglesias and maybe looking ahead a little bit, because they, they kind of keep pushing this date out so we don't have to worry about it right now, but whenever Scooter comes back healthy, who gets more, you know, more pieces of the pie? Is it Iglesias or is it Peraza? I, I think it's a great question to ask. I, I think it's a very fair question to ask because Jose Peraza has been, you know, and it's tough to say somebody as young as him, a major disappointment, but he's been a disappointment in my eyes because it may be my expectations were too high. I, I just viewed the track his career was on and the way he finished last season. I said, I thought he could be a 2020 guy. I know Marty has said he could thought he could win a batting title someday, not necessarily this year. But I, I didn't think it was a stretch to think Peraza could be, after hitting 14 home runs last season, could hit 20 homers and steal at least 20 bases this year. And to this point, 
he just hasn't been able to, to string it together. He's always been a guy who's been challenged to draw some walks and to help boost up his on-base percentage. But, man, if you're, you're hitting 196 and your team is struggling and eventually Scooter Jeanette is coming back and you've got other pieces, if you're David Bell, the good thing is it's options. If you're Jose Peraza, the bad thing is David Bell has options to work maybe around you eventually. But I always say this, Scooter's probably, I think, conservatively six weeks away. I always say there's so much can happen between now and then. Um, it's the beauty of baseball. That is very true. And real quick, thinking about Peraza, is there a guy that you know you can think back to that maybe early on in his career he was super aggressive, swinging early in the counts? Did that guy reinvent himself to be more of a patient hitter, or are we just spoiled by guys like Joey Votto and Jesse Winker to think that Jose Peraza can reinvent himself and we should just be used to his aggressiveness? I think it's a great question. I, I think it's part of the evolution and maturation of a player. And some guys get it. Some guy, and not necessarily get it. Some guys can uh, adapt and and evolve. Some guys are just who they are. And it's always it, it's the fascinating part of baseball to me. And and from a front office standpoint, I, I love the game from that standpoint of trying to project. It's all about projecting. What do we see this guy as right now? What do we think he can be in two, three, four years down the road? And, you know, Jose's now 25. I thought he had settled in. He was now with a team that he, he had been he had played in other organizations. He played other positions. I thought he was getting comfortable in his own skin, and that's why we would see the leap to this point in 120 or so plate appearances. We haven't seen that leap. It remains to be seen, but uh, I, I, again, I go back to it's the, the part that really I, I love about the game, watching guys and seeing which way their arrow is going to go, if it goes up, if it flatlines, or if it goes down. We're rounding third here, kind of starting to wrap up. Where do you stand? I, I feel like in the off season, the thought of the Reds were they were missing the boat on analytics and now Reds fans are looking at what the managerial staff has done so far this year and they're like whoa 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 too man too much analytics where do you stand on that do you think the Reds are maybe going a little bit too far with it or do you think that you know they're just scratching the surface I think they're catching up I think they've been light years behind as an organization top to bottom but I think they're catching up I, I think specifically with David Bell and I I, I understand this there is if you look at it as a scale and managing by on one end of the scale, your eyes, your head, your gut, and on the other end of the scale by uh, your MacBook Pro and, and what the analytics say, I, I think it could be argued that Dave probably needs to move himself a little bit more toward, back towards eyes and head and gut. Um, numbers are great. I love numbers. I, I, I think and I understand what he's doing and what they're doing as an organization. I wonder sometimes if he need, doesn't need to trust his gut a little bit more. I go back to this past Sunday with the Mayor Garrett, took out Garrett so he could bring in Iglesias, righty versus a Buster Posey at that point. Garrett was mowing Giants down. And I know that the, the book, the, number, the, the, the analytics may have said, go to Iglesias. My eyes and head at that point sat and said, man, Garrett is dominating. He's filthy. Let him finish this thing out. So I, I think I think David's been um, good from the standpoint of opening up to information. I, I, I think if I was, if I had the lever on that scale, I might slide him just a smidge back to trust your eyes and head a little bit, not all the way, but just a little bit off of where he is right now. And I think that's part of being a rookie manager. I think he's going to evolve, hopefully from that standpoint as well. 
Definitely. And, and I love what they've done with pitch framing and things like that. But I'm with you. I think sometimes they need a backup. Like thinking of different situations with Jesse Winker. Like I know his numbers aren't great against left-handers right now, but he has such limited exposure. And then, of course, he's out of the lineup. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, he's out of the lineup today against a right-hander. So maybe there's actually something more going on besides just yeah. the matchups. But um I, I'm with you. I think that they're just they, – they've got to find the balance. I think David Bell manages from a front office perspective rather than the likes of Dusty Baker and Jim Riggleman that they have more of a feel for what's going on as far as – No question. Know, the way that goes. Uh, Lance, we'll, uh, we'll get you out of here. I really appreciate you talking with me today. Uh, real quick, do you plan on sitting in the Yasiel Puig, the, the corral in right field? I will make it out there. My plans to make it out there. My hope is by the time I make it out there, Yasiel Puig is hitting above 200 or, <laughs> or it, it moved into a groove where, um, you know, and it's funny and quickly because we, this city fell in love with him, the way he embraced the city right away. And there was so much hype and expectation and it's his walk year and it's great American ballpark. And he's got Turner Ward by his side. And, and there was so much hype and expectation and man, he just, he hasn't delivered on that numbers wise and they really need him. He's not, he look, he's not the, the guy that Joey Botto is to this team in terms of impact and significance, but they need Yasiel Puig to get hot for this team to do anything. You're, you're absolutely right. And I mean, where Joey Votto is the stalwart at the, you know, the main guy that you're looking for to, the straw that stirs the drink, Yasiel Puig's the fireworks. And just right now they're still, they've gotten them lit. They're just waiting for him to fire. So no I, doubt, he's got he's got certainly got the personality. If he, if his bat uh, heats up to match his personality, then then uh, you know Reds baseball will be hot and we'll be loving everything. Watch out, NL Central, Lance. I really appreciate it. Cincinnati is blessed with great sports talk, and you, sir, are definitely at the top of that mountain. You are very kind to say that. It means a lot. You invited me on, and I'd love to do it again. You've got the number. Let's do it again down the road. That'll do it for another week here on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. Like I said in the beginning, make sure you are subscribed. That is the easiest way each and every day to get the newest episode of the podcast. Next week, we got another great week planned for you. Big, big time or big uh, interview there at the end of the week. Lost my wording there. Big interview. I cannot wait for this one. I'm going to get a chance to meet one of my idols growing up as a Reds fan, Bronson Arroyo. Get ready, Reds fans. We're going to have him on the podcast next week. It's going to be a fun one. I have no idea how long it's going to be because I really don't even want to limit it. So might be a TLDR. We'll see about that. But so very excited to talk to him. Look out for that one next week and even more with the Locked On Reds podcast. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. And for all the mothers out there listening, including my mom, happy Mother's Day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 